CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. And Mike, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are officially off to the playoffs. They're off to the playoffs, but there's a real somber mood about making the playoffs. And why is that? Uh, some very substantial injuries were suffered, uh, some maybe team-changing injuries. Absolutely. We had a full weekend of CFL action, some great games. Uh, we had a couple games Friday night that came down to the very final play. Uh, we had a very heated affair between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the BC Lions that got a little feisty, uh, and then a great game as well between the Edmonton Eskimos and Toronto Argonauts. Uh, to round out the week. Uh, let's start off with talking about the Bombers, Mike, because, you know, we do live in Winnipeg. We are Bomber fans. And uh, for a second straight year, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have clinched a playoff spot. You know what? That's something we haven't been able to say very much, uh, the fact that the Blue Bombers made the playoffs two years in a row. But, hey, the patient is finally starting to pay off around here. Absolutely. Kyle Walters has built a magnificent roster here. Coach Mike O'Shea has done his job in getting them, you know, to work together to produce on the football field. That's something they've definitely done. Bombers now at 11-4 and on the season. You look at that one loss against BC that, well, that was a bit uncharacteristic of Justin Medlock to miss that kick late in the game. Uh, you know, that was a very winnable game, and the Bombers are sitting at 12-3 and three through 15 games if that happens. Like, that that's almost Calgary level. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take this a step further, Ryan. They, they lost that game uh, in BC. They lost, you know, had they beaten Hamilton. You know, you're looking at a potential two-loss football team here. Yeah, although, to be fair, that game against Hamilton was not close at all. Uh, the the Cats really took it to the Bombers in that one. So I, I, I don't think you can spin that one as really a what-if, um, because they just got simply outplayed in that game. Well, here's the thing, Ryan. When was the last time we have been able to put the days with the Bombers have been outplayed in on half a finger? It's been a while. I, I, I think certainly they, in some of their wins, I, you know, I wouldn't say they vastly outplayed teams either. Um, they've had a couple dominating wins, but a lot of them have been those gritty wins they've pulled out, uh, whereas a very even matchup and the Bombers found a way to win, and that's something they hadn't done for many years leading up until this point. Uh, and starting last year and starting this year, the Bombers are finally starting to win those close games. And that's what's got them in the playoffs and most likely hosting a home playoff game. Not guaranteed yet, as the Eskimos uh, ended up beating Toronto Saturday night. Um, but an Eskimos loss or a Bombers win in the next three weeks, all it takes is one or the other. Uh, and there will be playoff football here in Winnipeg in November for the first time since... When was the last time we had playoff football here? 2011. 20, 2011, right? Yep. Uh, that game against uh, the Ticats where the Bombers uh, had a great game. 19-3 to with the final. I remember that. You were there, weren't you? I was. I was not. We will most likely be there, assuming the Bombers, uh, you know, get that home playoff game. We should be there. Um, so looking forward to that one. Um, this game with BC this week, you mentioned it took a, a costly toll uh, injury-wise. Um, how so? Uh, Maurice Lighted, Durbin Adams. Uh, I ha I have a real problem, Ryan, with the Maurice Lighted injury. Why is that? From a standpoint, I thought it was a reckless hit. Now, being in the stadium and on the other side of the stadium, I didn't see what actually happened to Maurice Leggett. All I saw was 
you know, he catches the onside kick, and I thought he just, you know, dropped straight to the ground so as not to give up the ball at that point, you know, to secure kind of the victory there. But then, you know, all of a sudden he's down on the ground, and I thought, okay, well, maybe he blew out his knee, kind of like, you know, Sergio Castillo did for the Ticats last week uh, against the Bombers, where no no one really touched him, but he just planted wrong and fell down. Um, so I didn't get to see the replays on that. I thought it was just an innocent fall, but you're saying you got hit? Well, from what I saw, and I, and I saw the replay, Lightyear went down, and you know how he's protecting the football? Yep. And he has it. Like, he almost has his back turned. He's got the football protected, and the BC player goes kind of comes on top of him, trying to wrestle the football away. Now, whether you think that's intentional or two guys going for the football, I'll leave that up for debate. I thought it was an unnecessary contact play. Again, it's it's almost in the freak injury category. It is, and, you know, news broke out just yesterday that uh, Maurice Leggett done for the year now with an Achilles injury. That is a huge blow to the Bombers. Uh, It's probably one of the worst injuries they could have, uh, you know, besides at the quarterback position. Yeah, yes and no, but you know what, Ryan? We can't sit here for an hour and dwell on the fact that Maurice Leggett is done for the year. In my opinion, it's over and done with. It, it could have been anybody. Let's see if Brandon Alexander and Kevin Fodd can step in. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, huge loss, Maurice Leggett. Uh, not only talent-wise, just the energy he brings to the football game, um, his leadership on the field. Uh, you know, I, I to me, it kind of matches what you see from Andrew Harris on the offense. Uh, those guys lead by example out on the field. So it, it, it is a big hole that Maurice Leggett is leaving. But I think there are guys on the Bombers that can step up in and, you know, maybe fill a void a little bit. Um, I, have, I, have a, I have just a real quick comment here, Ryan. Maurice Leggett, uh, his presence will be lost on the football field only. On the practice field and in the media room and in the meeting rooms, he will still have an integral part in that on top of his rehab. That, so the they're really only missing them on the field and in the game as far as I, I see it. That's an excellent that's an excellent point there, Mike. Um, I, yeah, I think there's some guys that can step up. We saw Kevin Fogg had easily his best game of the season on Saturday. Finally returned a punt for a touchdown and had no flags called on the play, which was glorious to see because... You, you know, this is a guy that four times last year returned kicks for touchdowns looked back and saw an orange flag on the field and is all of his effort for nothing, right? Uh, so great for Kevin Fogg to get that. Not only that, he followed it up with a uh, with an interception as well. Um, so big game by Kevin Fogg. Yeah, you know what? For me, you have to take this at face value. I was watching the first half of the football game at the Ice Butts restaurant, and... It was neat to see among the other people that were there the reaction when Kevin Fodd ran one back. The immediate uh, reaction from somebody behind me, where's the flag? And we're anxiously staring up at the TV in the middle of the ceiling waiting for that orange flag to come on the field. And let me tell you, I was nervous when he had one man to beat and he had one guy blocking for him. I forget who it was. Um... I, I thought the last guy was going to take a penalty there. Um, we, we saw it happen earlier in the year for Toronto against uh, against the Bombers where Martise Jackson was gone and then it was called back on, you know, a late penalty that was completely unnecessary. So I was expecting to see a flag coming. I'm so happy we didn't because Kevin Fogg deserves it, man. How much of a momentum boost looking back was that? Oh, it was a huge one. Uh, it really set the tone for the game, I feel like. You know, Kevin Fogg, that's something that can really ignite a football team. I thought this game, you know, props to the defenses on both sides, uh, for both teams, I think, in this game, because uh, 
I was expecting a shootout between these two teams. You know, they've got some high-powered offenses, um, some defenses that give up a lot of yards. Uh, I was expecting a shootout, but both those defenses played some tight football uh, and caused, you know, troubles for the opposing offenses. You know, it was weird. And I was talking to people about this before, during, after. I really don't think the Bomber offense is to blame for the loss, Ryan. I mean, I just looked at it and well, they I... Didn't, they didn't lose. They uh, they pulled out the win. Well, I mean, they weren't like... People had the expectation of the La Police uh, offense being high-powered every single week. You know, we have this expectation. It seems to be the 30-point plateau. Here's another thing to consider. BC defense is no slouch. Their their problems have been long anticipated offensively this year. Their defense, like as much as the Bomber offense didn't, you know, perform at the level that we're accustomed to usually seeing. Some some credit has to go to just two defenses that were holding both offenses at bay. Absolutely, and if you want to, you know. To be fair as well to the Bombers' offense, I, I don't think Matt Nichols' hand was 100% at all. Uh, you, you could see that in the way he threw the ball. I think he threw it more than 20 yards only once the entire game, um, just because I don't think I don't think his hand was well enough to you know try those long bombs down the field. Uh, so he makes those you know shorter passes. He completed 23 of 30 passes in this game. Didn't necessarily get the yards up there. Uh, didn't throw an interception again, though, uh, which, you know, is just becoming regular for him. Uh, so while it wasn't a high-powered offense, I thought it was still a manageable game. Uh, and that's the label everyone always gives him, right? Game manager. Sometimes he'll shine on the field, sometimes he won't. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't think Matt Nichols did anything, or the Bombers offense, really, to go and hurt them in this game. You know, it's very interesting. I... I liked your comment about maybe Batnichols' hand not being 100%. But I also wonder if it's the byproduct of the BC defense taking away options downfield. Well, and also if you look at the wide receiver position, the Bombers are banged up at that position. They're down to kind of their the last of their depth here. I, I mean, you had already Weston Dressler out. Uh, Timothy Flanders was out this week. He's been a guy that's getting a lot of targets through the air lately. Uh, now you lost Darvin Adams to injury here. So, I mean, in this game, uh, after Adams went down, your wide receiver group was basically uh, Clarence Denmark, Ryan Lankford, Damian Washington, who got back into the lineup this week, uh, Fioli Godino, and then Matt Coates. So that if you measure that wide receiver group and it's no knock against them but uh, against some of the other ones across the league you know it, it, it's not the highest powered weapons for Matt Nichols to throw the ball to and especially with his hand injury that's why I think we saw the offense take a step back a little bit in this game um, as much as you know I agree with you like you said BC's defense stepped up and played a great game as well it, it, it would have been so easy, Ryan, for BC to fold the tent down 10 to nothing and the Bombers having a football threatening for a 17 nothing game and Jonathan Jennings playing very average, let's say. But BC didn't. BC made a game of it. Bombers' defense steps up in this game. I thought, you know, lately, besides that game against Hamilton last week, we kind of saw a lot better effort from the Bombers' defense in recent weeks. Uh, throw back to the week before, even against the Eskimos, where they held Mike Riley to 57 yards in the first half and shut the Eskimos out in the first half. You know, the Bombers' defense, besides that game against Hamilton, has been playing a lot better lately, and I thought they had a great game in this one. Didn't execute the whole prevent defense the greatest uh, at the end of the game and gave me a bit of deja vu to when, you know, that huge comeback the Bombers pulled off uh, against Montreal earlier in the season. Uh, what, 30-something seconds on the clock and BC down by six? I, I, To be honest, I was scared. I was and I wasn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't pretty the way it ended, but... The game was kind of over in fairness at the point. 
Well, to be fair, the game was over when the Bombers played Montreal. I mean, it was almost the exact same scenario. It was the uh, same amount of time on the clock, I think, just one extra point. So uh, it was a very, you know, similar situation. Uh, at the end of the day, Maurice Leggett recovers the onside kick, and uh, while he goes down with injury, that basically seals the game for the Bombers. Um, but defensively, they step up big in this game. If you go back to the loss against Hamilton the week before, it was, you know, huge defensive struggles to contain uh, Alex Green at running back, Jeremiah Mazzoli as a mobile quarterback. Um, it kind of begs the question for me, Mike, which defense will we see show up in the playoffs when the Bombers play their playoff game? Uh, the one that, you know, completely shut down BC's offense in the first half or the one that struggled to keep up with Hamilton the week before? I think we'll see closer to the one we saw on Saturday because if you remember, that defense was good against Edmonton too. So then the question remains, um, is it the mobile quarterback that just has the Bombers, uh, you know, gives the Bombers fits? Jeremiah Mazzoli loves to run. Um, Jonathan Jennings, I would personally think, is more of a pocket guy. I could be wrong on that. Um, does that give you worries if the Bombers play a mobile quarterback in the playoffs? You know what? I, I, I never thought of that. You've been trying to convince me for three weeks uh, that Saskatchewan might be the better option. Just on that point alone, I would agree because I think the Bombers can better contain Kevin Glennon than a Mike Riley. So, I mean, if you saw that Edmonton game this week, Mike Riley's 28-yard scamper uh, to the end zone where he you know, flipped over a defender... If that then you can't get much more mobile at quarterback than that. So um, yeah, I, I I think the Bombers defense struggles with that mobile quarterback because they got a lot of pressure on Jonathan Jennings and he felt it, especially in that first half this week because he wasn't able to get away. If you throw back to the week before against Hamilton, what Jeremiah Mazzoli do really well? He got out of the pocket, he ran quite a bit, and that's why the Hamilton offense was successful. So. I, I think it all depends what type of quarterback the Bombers face. Agreed. For BC, this is pretty much it on the season with this loss. They're not officially out yet, but uh, the only ones they can catch are Saskatchewan, and I believe a Riders win this week uh, would go and officially eliminate them from the playoffs. Um, BC's elimination number is one. Any combination of Saskatchewan wins or BC losses. Yeah, so you would imagine it's pretty much over for them. What what do they do? What do you do if you're BC in these final final three weeks here? You gotta find consistency. They just they, how you go from five and two to perennial preseason Grey Cup favorites to basically falling off a cliff like they did. It's alarming. And I, I believe that these issues go a lot further than Jonathan Jennings. Uh, to me, it's the offensive line as well as a big issue with the BC Lions. You know, Bomber's defense was getting through left and right yes, on Saturday. We've seen it all year long. Um, that's a thing the BC Lions really need to shore up in the offseason, I think, to give a guy like Jonathan Jennings more time to find his targets. Because... He was having no time to find anyone in this game. No, and that's a good way to that's a good way to put it because uh, you know the the way you look at the way you look at a situation. You're as good as your quarterback. You're as good as your offensive line. Absolutely. Now. It's all but given, I would say. Granted, stuff can happen. Well, I shouldn't say it's all but given, but there's a very real chance. These two teams play each other again in two weeks, Saturday, the 28th of October, um, at Investors Group Field here in Winnipeg. By then, there's a chance the BC's officially eliminated in the playoffs, and the Bombers could have locked up second place in the division. Uh, they can't... I don't think they can finish first. Maybe they still can, but it's highly unlikely because Calgary's amazing. Um, if I'm the Bombers at that point, I'm resting as many people as I can against BC, uh, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, 
You don't want to do the old rest and then rest for Game 1 of the playoffs, though, hence 2001. So it's a very fine line between playing your roster and resting players, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, here's the kind of the way I would approach the next three weeks, I think. Uh, This game on Saturday, between this past Saturday, between the Lions and the Bombers, was such a heated affair, so much feistiness. There were punches being thrown, (laughs) Andrew Harris. Um, There were, you know, there were uh, words being said. There was, you know, fights after almost every play. And some of the stuff we saw between the Bombers and the Lions last year as well. As much as you talk about a rivalry between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, these two teams, the Bombers and the BC Lions, clearly do not like each other. And we've seen that in recent history. I think three of the last four games coming into this past one were all with it decided by less than a field goal. So I, I think there's more feistiness to come. And to me, that's the game where I want to rest my starters because they got banged up quite a bit in this past game. Um, so I would rest people for that game against BC because I think there's a big bit of bad blood between the two teams. Um, and like you said, you don't want to kind of rest right before the playoffs. Uh, what I would personally do here if I was the Bombers is you don't have the home playoff game yet. So you go out and play everyone against Toronto this week. You rest people for that game against BC. And then maybe you put some of your starters back in for that final game against Calgary to get them in playoff mode. Yeah, because I think I think if you're the Bombers, I think you want to use that week 20 game as a playoff tune-up. Also to let Calgary know what they might be facing in the last final. Absolutely. You know, I, I think this matchup with Calgary in Week 20 benefits the Bombers really well at this point where... Uh, they basically can't catch Calgary uh, for first place because, you know, if Calgary wins this week, they walk up first place in the in the division. They don't have a lot to play for in Week 20. The Bombers could potentially walk up a playoff spot. They don't have, they can't move at all in Week 20. So maybe we'll be seeing a battle of the backups in Week 20 between these teams, which means Calgary hasn't played the Bombers since Week 3, Mike. So... Maybe it's a chance for the Bombers to, you know, not necessarily go out okay, and let Calgary know, okay, this is what we're made of now, right? And then get them in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point uh, that you made, uh, there, Ryan. And I, I fully agree with everything that you've said to this point about, uh, about the Bombers and Calgary to that. I really think that if it's a stats when I, I really believe the Bombers have a win in them. I haven't been overly convinced about Calgary for a number of weeks. I know their their defense has been really good. But as we've seen with uh but as we've seen with um the Calgary as we've seen with Calgary, you know, the Hamilton gave him a a pretty good stare. Absolutely. Yeah, and let's talk about that game between the Stampeders and the Ticats. Um, So the Bombers make the playoffs officially this week. Uh, Edmonton uh, has officially made the playoffs. And unfortunately, Mike, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are officially eliminated from the CFL playoff contention this week. And probably the most heartbreaking fashion I can imagine... Um, basically, to eliminate them this week, it needed to be a combination of Calgary beating the Ticats and the Ottawa Red Blacks beating Saskatchewan. Both games, both games came down to the very final play of the game, and the Ticats ended up on the bad side of both of them and were eliminated from the playoffs this week. Um, th- they gave Calgary a run for their money in this game. Holy cow. Yeah, and um, it's nice to see that the Bombers aren't the only team with that apparently has a problem with mobile quarterbacks. The uh, Calgary wins this one 28-25. It started out looking like it was going to be a bit ugly. If you remember the week before here in Winnipeg, Ticats lose starting kicker Sergio Castillo to an in, a season-ending injury. Uh, they bring a guy in with no previous CFL experience this week. 
And I think it was his first punt of the game was blocked and returned for a touchdown, and Calgary's up 8 nothing early in this football game. So I, I thought, oh boy, what are we getting into here? Uh, but then the Ticats, to their credit, on defense, gave, you know, gave Bo Levi Mitchell fits all night long. I think at halftime, he was about 4 for 10 passing for maybe 70 yards, I want to say, something like that. Um, so they completely shut down that Calgary offense. They completely shut down Calgary's run game. Uh, and their offense got a little bit going themselves more than we expected them to uh, against the uh, Cal- the vaunted Calgary defense. One note to June Jones. You might not want to try a first play of the game blonde bomb to Banks. Why? It works almost every time. But now people know it's coming. How many weeks does it take to know that it's coming? They did it for four straight weeks. I mean, I saw it coming when I was sitting at Investors Group Field last week. I said, boom, first pass of the game is going downfield to Brandon Banks. And sure enough, it did. Because uh, it's their go-to play, and it works most of the time. So I don't blame them for continuing to try it. I blame defenses for not covering it very well. Uh, Banks didn't complete the pass or catch in this one. He was out of bounds, but... Another good game for Brandon Banks. He got over 100 yards again this game. Uh, that's a connection between him and Jeremiah Mazzoli that I'll be looking to next year see, you know, start at the beginning of the year. For sure. Uh, because uh, this was a guy in Brandon Banks that had a terrible start to the year. Uh, he's been basically completely removed from kick return duties in Hamilton, which was kind of what he was known for previously. And now the focus is on including him in the offense. I think I read a stat the other day. If you take his uh, stats over the last several games and put it towards an 18-game season, you're looking at a guy with 1,300 yards on the year. So uh, definite chemistry between those two. I think they've got a great running back for the future in Alex Green, who added another two touchdowns this week. Um, I think things are bright for Hamilton heading into next year. Obviously, it's, it sucks that they're eliminated from the playoffs right now, um, but I feel good about this team uh, going into next year because that they, uh, they've improved tremendously since that 0-8 start. Yeah, and, you know, Ken Austin might be to blame for, for leaving his post too late. You know, and not allowing the, not allowing it to kind of play out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, that that zero and eight start was just too much for Hamilton to overcome. I I think it's you know, and it's hard to overcome that, and yet they almost did it. Uh, they win this game, and Ottawa loses to Saskatchewan, and there's a very decent chance that Hamilton could, you know, end up making the playoffs here. Um, they had a couple close games against the Eskimos when the Eskimos started seven and zero. They lost a couple. They lost a couple really close games this year, just even though they were blown out in so many early on. Um, that I think. I, I think there's a lot more positives than I ever expected there to be after that losing streak to start the year. I think we were in opposite direction with Montreal and Hamilton, but we got our signals crossed. Absolutely. That's uh, that's the best way to put it. This is a team that I think is going to do very well next year. I was really impressed about how they played against the Stampeders this week, um, and they came up just short. <laughs> this is the thing I say time and time again, Mike. This is why the Calgary Stampeders are so good, and I put this out on our Twitter account this week. You can play your best game and have Calgary play their absolute worst, and the Calgary Stampeders still come out on top the way they did this week. Terrible, terrible, terrible decision by Courtney Stevens. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? On uh, the pass interference. At the end of the game, the last play there? Yes. Yeah, that was, you know, and and here's how it all played out. Um, Hamilton goes and ties it up, uh, gets in the end zone, ties it up with, uh, what was it, less than a minute left? I forget how much time was left on the clock there. Not a lot. Under a minute, for sure. 30, uh, 36 seconds left, actually. 
Um, Calgary takes over. Calgary goes. They move down the field. All of a sudden, Bo Levi Mitchell scrambles loose uh, with only like 11 seconds left on the clock. Um, I think with yeah. 11 or whatever. And uh, throws the ball downfield 50 yards. Uh, pass interference on the Ticats defense. Uh, Rene Paradis gets a chance uh, for a short field goal, 17-yard field goal to win the football game on the very final play. As much as you talk about, yeah, and I agree with you, it's a terrible decision. You know, all you have to do at that point is not take a penalty and you've basically won the game. Or you're basically off to overtime, I should say. But at the same time, you know, if you try too hard to avoid contacting the receiver, you may not bring him down at all and he's off to the end zone and you'll lose. Well, either way, you lose, right? Yes, yes, to be fair. Um, that is a good point, but you know, it's a tough situation and let's not make this any, let's not sugarcoat this. I I think defensive back is the hardest position to play in the CFL because you can't do any, you can't do your job without getting flagged. Well, here's, here's another thing. What is Hamilton doing letting Boley by Mitchell run outside the pocket? Yeah, they did a great job of containing him all day long. Uh, when it mattered most, they couldn't, and uh, Calgary comes out on top in this one, uh, 28-25. They stay on their uh, winning streak here. They've won 11 straight. They're at 13-1-1, and and very close to wrapping up first place in the West Division and the CFL with uh, only a couple weeks to go. Boy, the Bombers would be playing for a bye if it was the one division CFL. True. That is true. And I don't know. Did you see J- John Hodges from Three Down Nation in the article? Mm. About the playoff scenario? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, I would suggest that you and anybody check it out. Will it do. Shows, it, it shows the current standard that's constructed under the current format and the, and the one division. Ah. And I'll tell you what, we'd have a heck of a race if it was one division. Yeah, as much as that argument is there, you know, I see the uh, I see the counter argument brought up every week. Uh, every time someone argues, let's get rid of the division, I see people making a very valid counter argument. Is that the only way you're going to get uh, rid of the divisions in the CFL? Is if all nine teams agree to it? And clearly, the current divisional structure is great for four teams. So why would they agree to it? Yeah, and especially in the East, they can say, oh, you know what, we don't have to have a great year, but because of our division, we stand a chance of making the playoffs and ultimately having revenue for a home playoff. And that's why I I tend to agree with the people that, you know, give that counter-argument, because uh, it's a very valid case. I think it's, uh, I, I, I wouldn't expect those teams to agree to it if it doesn't benefit them, right? Right. Um, so Hamilton loses. They need an Ottawa loss against Saskatchewan to stay alive. Uh, Ottawa pulls out a late victory in this one, 33 to 32. Um, what do you think about this game, Mike? Wow. What did the writer do to lose that football game? Well, Trevor Harris marches the team down the field late. They score two touchdowns in the final uh, final two minutes and 30 seconds, um, and Ottawa goes on to win this football game. Uh, great. You know, we talked about so much this year about Ottawa not being able to finish football games. They're doing that now, Mike. Trevor Harris, uh, I, don't, I don't know if Trevor Harris gets enough credit as one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL, because if you talk about best quarterbacks in the CFL... Everyone's talking about Mike Riley. Everyone's talking about Bo Levi Mitchell. Um, Trevor Harris is definitely up there as one of them. I think he's shown that. Um, he just doesn't get the credit for it, I don't think. Here's a real situation. We could possibly have the Ottawa Redblots in the Great Cup as the home team. I, I, I think it's very possible. This is a team on the rise lately, I think. And um, they're battling with Toronto for first place in the division in that uh, you know home playoff game with the bye in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so I, I think I think Ottawa or Toronto. I'll, I'll say this: I don't think it's an all West Grey Cup. Yeah, I'm with you there. 
as much as the West has dominated the East Division this year, I still think this Ottawa team and this Toronto team are two good football teams despite their records, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna make things interesting in that East Division playoffs. For sure. For Saskatchewan, they win this week, uh, or they if they were to if they could have pulled out the win this week, that would have put them at uh, let me see nine and six on the year, I believe. Um, I and at minimum, a crossover spot. At minimum, a crossover spot. Uh, now they fall to fourth in the division with Edmonton winning. Um, they play each other in week 20. What does this loss mean for Saskatchewan? Absolutely nothing. Other than that it was a real disappointing way to lose. Yeah, and I, and thought, it, I, I, you know, I thought the Riders played really good in this game. We came in with questions at the quarterback position. If you remember last week or recent weeks, Kevin Glenn hadn't played so well, was replaced by Brandon Bridge. He came in and led them to a victory. Many people suggesting that Brandon Bridge should have been the starting quarterback this week, but they elect to go with Kevin Glenn. And Glenn plays outstanding. 29-39 for 387 yards, two touchdowns, granted two interceptions, and one of them was a uh, was a pick six, which Kevin Glenn is unfortunately known for, but... I thought he played one of his best games of the year. Glenn, when he's on, is very good. Glenn, when he's not going too well, it's not very good. 387 yards passing for Kevin Glenn. Over half of that to Deron Carter. 11 catches for 231 yards. That is insane. Yeah, and I mean, Deron... Durant's a special talent. How he ever got released from Montreal is beyond me. Uh, I think we can say that a lot of, about a lot of guys that uh, were forced out of Montreal. Uh, I don't understand it either. You know, Duran Carter I, I, is another guy I don't think gets recognition as much as he should. Is definitely one of the top talents in the CFL. He showed it this week. This is a guy that has all the talent in the world. I think he, you know, if you would have shored some things up, um, discipline-wise a little bit. I think he could have, you know, stuck around in the NFL, but uh, it didn't work out there for him. And now he's tearing it up in the CFL with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year. So um, definitely a huge talent for the Riders. It's a good way It's a good way to taunt Montreal after releasing them. Absolutely. Um, what'd you make of Trent Richardson's play at running back, Mike? His second, uh, second game with the Riders didn't do much the week before. Really good game from him. Um, yes and no. I expected more from Trent, from Trent Richardson through two games. 60 yards rushing in this game, and he powered through for a lot of those. You know, he came up big. A gutsy play call where they direct snap to him on a third down, third and one, uh, and he powers and muscles through. So he's that big running back for Saskatchewan that uh, they haven't had in a little while, I don't think, um, since they traded away Jerome Messam. And obviously, I'm not comparing Trent Richardson talent-wise to Jerome Messam, but yeah, I think he's a good pickup, actually, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, but I, I think he could fit in very well there for them. Yeah, I'm not sold yet, man. I'm sorry. There's a bunch of guys. For me, there's a dime a dozen guys that could be a running back and do what Trent Richardson does. It is one of those positions where it's where it's easy to find someone. Um, final game of the week, a close one to round it out between the Edmonton Eskimos and the Toronto Argonauts. The Eskimos pull out a 30-27 to win late in this one. Um, Mike Riley completes a touchdown pass to Darrell Walker with 57 seconds left in the game uh, to put them ahead in this one. Um, have the Eskimos turned the corner after their losing streak? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, I, I think they might have. I thought they, uh, I thought they finished this game really well. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, C.J. Gable trade a little bit. I think this may be one of the best trades we've seen from the Eskimos in recent history. Um, 
because this is a guy that, while we didn't see the numbers that much in Hamilton because he was underused, is definitely one of the top running backs in the CFL when he's on. Uh, and he has been so far for the Eskimos, 104 yards rushing and a touchdown this week. I, I think that's kind of the one piece the Eskimos had been missing so far this year was the running back with so many guys going down. So uh, a huge pickup for the Eskimos, and it's paying off. I'm just wondering what Hamilton dropped back for him. I know it's about two practice roster players, but I'm sorry, negotiation list players. But I'll tell you what, it's had the potential to be a really lopsided trade in Edmonton's favor. Absolutely. C.J. Gable had a great day. Mike Riley had a great day. Um, and Brandon Zilstra yet again had a great day. Nine catches for 147 yards. Uh, you just can't cover that guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but a lot of it is too, Ryan. The receivers, the other receivers that he has around him. True, but I, it, it's clear he's the number one guy. I mean, late in the game there, third down for the ball game uh, to keep the team alive. Mike Riley was looking Brandon Zilstra's way the entire time. We all knew the pass was going to him, and yet, you know, he breaks loose and uh, he, he keeps the team alive and they end up going on to win the game. So, uh, so clutch. Brandon Zilstra is so clutch. The I thought about a player that was clutch, S.J. Green. How so? He made some big, big catches, which allowed the Ardo to take the lead to begin with. Absolutely. 159 yards and a touchdown from Mr. Green. Um, he, Mike, despite being traded in the offseason, despite being at his age, despite being coming off an ACL injury the year before, this week, Mike, he set his career high for receiving yards in a season. And crazy to think that, no offense, Montreal traded him for a bag of footballs. Pretty much. Uh, we can say, like I said, we can say that about a lot of guys. Um, I thought it was a good game played by the Argos. They had a couple issues uh, holding on to the ball. Martise Jackson dropped it a couple times, which, as explosive of a returner as he's been at times this year, he, uh, he struggles sometimes to hang on to the football a little bit there. Uh, Argos lose this one, Mike. Uh, with a win this week, I thought they would have been very well set up to go and ho uh, get that first place in the division. Um, I think they still have a good shot at it because Ottawa has only has one game left on the year. But Toronto, two games left? Does Toronto only have two left? Yes, they do. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so what does this mean for Toronto, a loss this week? Is it, uh, is it a heartbreaking one? or? Hmm. When you look at the situation, it might be. You just, you just you have to give Toronto credit coming into Edmonton. Edmonton a little bit sour. They haven't played the best football of late. You know, granted, they're on a two-team win streak now. But let's see. Let, let's just see what happens. I, I think this has more positives in the long term than negatives for the Argos. Absolutely. Um, looking at kind of the CFL standings at this point, and you and I were talking a little bit about how it's going to shake down most likely. Um, Calgary's 13-1-1 and leads the uh, leads the West Division at that. Uh, Bombers technically only, uh, only five points back in the standings, but with three games left, that's going to be pretty tough uh, for them to grab. Uh, so Calgary's basically got first locked up. The Bombers basically have second place locked up. BC is all but eliminated. So you have the Eskimos and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders competing for uh, third place in that division, or competing for the competing for the uh, crossover spot if they'd rather go out east. Um, Hamilton and Montreal officially eliminated, and right now we've got Ottawa leading the division at seven nine and one. Uh, with Toronto one point back at 7-9-0. No. Um, so probably, I would say, Toronto finishing first out east, uh, and the uh, whoever wins that final game uh, of the season between Edmonton and Saskatchewan, uh, I would imagine 
goes on to play the Bombers here in Winnipeg in the playoffs with the loser going out east to uh, play Ottawa is what I would imagine. Can you imagine Chris Jones, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, for the right to come to Winnipeg? That's going to be a fun day. That's a lot of fun. I, I just hope we get some meaningful football in the final couple weeks here, Mike, because realistically, if you look at the games coming up, let me let me pull this up, because this is part of the reason, first of all, why, I, you know, you can attest to this. I was upset after the Ticats were eliminated uh, Friday night, and, and I'm not a Ticats fan in the slightest, but I think they're a fun football team to watch lately. They're a spunky team. Um that is fun to watch. And now, you know, they play Montreal twice in the final three weeks. Uh, both teams eliminated from the playoffs. Those are games that are not going to be highly interesting. Uh, Including a Sunday afternoon game this week and poor fans of wherever the game is. Why you have a meaning, meaningless football game? Everybody thought it would mean something. Going up against some big NFL, which is big in that part of the country in Montreal and Hamilton. Yeah, the game's in Montreal, which, so... Good uh, luck, Benetrop fans. Yeah, I'm not imagining a huge crowd for that one there. Um, but just looking at the... Uh, so looking at the schedule here, kind of on the... Uh, to this point out, like, uh, you got Saskatchewan and Calgary this week. Okay, that's an important game. Uh, I would say for both sides, Calgary can lock it up. Saskatchewan fighting in that playoff race. Bombers in Toronto trying to lock up their spots. Edmonton and BC. Well, BC's still trying to stay alive a little bit. And Edmonton's in the heated race. Hamilton-Montreal is uh, irrelevant. Uh, next week, Hamilton-Ottawa, Montreal-Saskatchewan. Um have, or Ottawa and Saskatchewan could have stuff to play for there. The Bombers could potentially have nothing to play for against BC, so that might be a game where neither has anything to play for. Uh, we got a Battle of Alberta in Week 19. Um, Calgary, I would imagine, would possibly start resting people at that point. I don't know, man. And then Week 20, uh, you've got Winnipeg-Calgary, which could be uh, could be all locked up at that point. Montreal, Hamilton, um, again, no impact on anything. Toronto, BC, Toronto could have first place locked up. At that point, if Ottawa loses uh, their game to Hamilton, uh, and BC could be out. So very realistically, unfortunately, in Week 20, we could be looking at Edmonton-Saskatchewan as the only meaningful game on the CFL schedule. Honestly, I'm fine with that, because that might mean better quality football come to playoffs. How so? Just from the standpoint of a highly emotional Week 20 and a highly emotional division semifinal, you know, there's nothing really, there's nothing really to play for. So teams are kind of rude to get going, so we might just get better playoff games. That that's an interesting take. I like it. Um, so after I all broke this down here, and you and I have been going back and forth on this for for a couple weeks here now, from the Bombers' perspective. I want to see the Bombers play the Riders in the playoffs for the entertainment value alone. You know, no matter how the result of that game ends up, I, I think it would be great. It would be so much fun to watch a Prairie rivalry game in the playoffs. Um, from a matchup-wise, though, Edmonton versus Saskatchewan, who would you rather play if you're the Bombers? Saskatchewan. Why? Uh, Bombers have historically shredded against scrambling quarterbacks. The other side of the matchup is it's hard to beat a team three times in a year, which the Bombers would do. Well, the but Bombers would do to either of them. Well, they would have to do that because, you know, the Bombers won the season series 2-1 with the Riders. You know, they beat Edmonton twice. So it's, for me, it's a pity of poison, to be brutally honest. True. I, I, I think I'd agree with you. I would rather play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's no knock at all against the Riders. But give me one game. Who do I have more faith in to come out? And, you know, I can be sure he's going to have a great game. I'm probably going to say Mike Riley over Kevin Glenn because we've seen Glenn be on and off at times this year. While Riley didn't play his best during that six-game losing streak, he's definitely still, you know, 
played some great football this year. For sure, and I just I don't know. Edmonton seems tateable if you limit Mike Riley, but that's the baby if the Bombers have struggled limiting scrambling quarterbacks. So the Bombers also haven't faced Edmonton with C.J. Gable. Yeah, that might be another interesting dynamic. Moving into our picks for Week 18. Mike, we're three weeks left in the CFL season. We're about a month and a half away from the Grey Cup. Um, it's kind of sad, isn't it? The football season's almost over already. It's sad, but I'll tell you what, football, the good football just coming. That's true. We're in for uh, some interesting football. I think we're going to have a great playoffs this year. Getting into our picks for the week, uh, the Calgary Stampeders at home against Saskatchewan. Calgary's at home. Enough said. I'm taking the Stampeders. Yep. Uh, although I have to give Hamilton credit because we ca- we said the week before, Calgary coming off a bye, it's automatic. We're taking the Stampeders. Hamilton almost proved us wrong in that one. Um, the Riders, I think, have been one of the teams that's kind of been closest to uh, beating Calgary this year. So maybe this is the week, Mike. It could be the week. Well, from a bomber perspective, I sure hope so. But I'm taking the Stampeders to win this one as well. Uh, Winnipeg in Toronto, Saturday afternoon. The Bombers, with a win here, would lock up second place in the CFL's West Division. Toronto. Why? I don't know the Bomber injury situation this early in the week. I don't know Matt Nickel if he's 100%. Toronto at BMO Field has been fairly good. Bombers lose a close one. I'm going to take the Bombers. You know, I, I thought about it with a lot of these matchups this year that previously I would have always picked, you know, the other team to win, where I think it's a bit of a toss-up. I, I, I think their record's on their side for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think I'm more so than not this year. If, you know, I'm unsure on a pick, I've gone with the Bombers, and it's proved to be right because they, they even when you don't think they're going to win, they've pulled out some. So I, I'm going with the Bombers this week. I think it will be a heck of a football game. To me, a big key will be is James Wilder playing for the Argos or not? Yeah, that's a really big one. Um, so that could impact things there. Um, so we'll see how that game goes, but I'm taking the Bombers to win that one, uh, which would officially lock up a home playoff game here in Winnipeg in November. Actually, because you picked Calgary, they would have the home playoff game locked up. Oh, wait, wait, to that one, the non factor never mind. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking we need to Saskatchewan to lose, but it's Edmonton. It's Edmonton, yep. Uh, and they play the BC Lions on Saturday in BC. Uh, I like what I've seen from the Eskimos lately. I don't like that BC offensive line. I don't. Uh, I don't like a lot of things with the BC Lions. They've just been off this year to me. A uh, bit off-putting to pick them. So the Eskimos, I am taking to win this one and go on a three-game win streak here. Yeah, I would concur with that. Um... The only issue becomes you wanted a Saskatchewan bomber matchup. This will pretty much snuff it out based on your pitch. True, true. I pick based on logic, not on heart. Um, it's kind of weird that I, you know, as a bomber fan, I've cheered for Saskatchewan in recent weeks because I want that Prairie playoff game. But I do think that Calgary is going to beat Saskatchewan this week, and I do think the Eskimos are going to beat the BC Lions. And then the game that, no offense, but no one really cares about, Sunday afternoon, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Montreal. The 10 people in attendance are probably going to be cheering for, no, just kidding, that is a little rude. Um, but I'm taking the Ticats to win this game because, like you said before, one team trending up, the other trending all the way down. Uh, it's no match to me. Yeah, I, I, I like Hamilton. I want to see what they have for an encore after last week's performance. Who's starting for Montreal? Do you know? I imagine it will be Drew Willie. I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Schiltz get a start. 
Yeah, I think you're almost at that point where Cough, Cough, Vernon Adams should be starting this week. Oh, but, wait. But, oh, yeah, he's not on the team. Now, uh, I, I don't think we talked about this uh, last week, Mike, when the Alouettes were on a bye week. I want to get your thoughts on this because we have about five minutes left still. Um, Kavis Reed is coming back as general manager for the Alouettes next year. Trying to exercise the patience card, I guess. Which, I don't agree with that. Um, I never liked the hiring of Kavis Reed as GM to begin with. The, you know, a special teams coordinator promoted. Uh, although, I guess that's what Kyle Walters technically was for the Bombers, wasn't he? Yep. So, uh, maybe it's not as bizarre as I thought it would be, but... I don't like what I've seen Kavis Reed do with this team so far. I will say this. Whatever happens with the Montreal Alouettes going forward, it's completely about stability in my mind. You know, find a coach, stick with that coach, the way the Bombers have done with Mike O'Shea. Uh, same thing with the quarterback position. I think they got to find a guy, stick with them. Enough of the rotation garbage. Uh, you got to keep uh, consistency uh, in order to build a football team around them. Yeah, apparently I read somewhere that the Montreal Alouettes have had like four coaches in four years or something like that. Yep, pretty much. Uh, three coaching changes in four years or something like that. So find consistency at the position and then build from there because you can't you can't just keep changing over. You know, you can't just keep doing the plug-and-play of, oh, this didn't work, okay, let's try this. Nope, that didn't work, okay, let's try this. It's not going to work if you never put the pieces to make it work. That's fair. Anything else you got here, Mike? We got a couple minutes left. Uh, what else you got on your mind? Uh, good luck to the one and six Manitoba Bisons football team as they try to stave off. Uh, playoff elimination this weekend at home to UBC. Best of luck to the uh, University of Manitoba Bisons there. Um, this week's it's, games, if there's one. Uh, two o'clock kickoff, by the way, at Investors Proof Field on Saturday. Right on. Um, this week's matchups, if there's one thing you're looking for uh, that you're excited about with this week's CFO games, what would it be? I want to see outside of Calgary. Who can establish some momentum going into the playoffs? Because it's not necessarily the best team, but when it's the team that's playing the best at the time. Who right now would you say has the best momentum? Winnipeg. Even with that loss to Hamilton the week before? Yes. Oddly enough, I would say the Hamilton Tiger Cats have the best momentum in the CFL right now. I never thought I'd say that for a team with only four wins on the year, and that's been eliminated from the playoffs this week. Um, but two great games against the uh, Bombers and the Calgary Stampeders. Um, I, I think really they could finish strong in the year, and they're going to come just short of making the playoffs. Well, it's funny. They had somebody on 1290 today from Ottawa. He did the senator, Senators and the Red Blots, and it wasn't A.J. Jotovic. It was somebody else. He picked the Bomber Red Blot great cup. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Just leaving that out there. Uh, CFL trade deadline came and went this week. Uh, no trades made. Um, what do you make of that? No deals being made. I know it normally there's normally barely any that happen, but I, I, I feel like I would have liked to see a couple more this year. Yeah, but again, the CFL is a lead where everybody thinks they're in it, right? Yeah, but when there's teams that are already eliminated at that point, you know, I wonder from the Montreal Alouette standpoint is kind of what I was aiming at there. They've got a lot of veterans on that team. Uh, I, I'm a little disappointed to see that, you know, they didn't give some of those guys a chance at the Grey Cup uh, while, you know, bringing in pieces to set them up for the future. I just don't know, like... As Montreal, this is no knock against them, but do they have any pieces that would interest other teams? I, I think they do. I think there's still some guys that can play some great football on that team. Somebody should have traded for John Bowman. That, that, that's one of the guys I was talking about there. Again, I mean, Montreal might want to keep him as a core piece to build around. Well, 
how much longer are you going to have to build around him is my question. That's all for today's show, Mike. That's everything we've got for today. Um, any final thoughts here before we close it out? No, just uh, motoring along, and I hope you and the rest of our listeners are well. You as well, Mike. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, for joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye.